0: Joining us today are Sarah Hobson, Kira Panson, and Taylor Aves. Uh, really happy to have them on today. We're gonna to be talking about um, mental health uh, in Drum Corps. Let's uh, start getting into it. Uh, before we start introducing our guests, uh, I just wanted to give a couple disclaimers. Um, so firstly, none of us are um, have degrees in uh, psychiatry or uh, are psychoanalysts. Um, So our our personal experience should not be taken as medical device. Um, We think that there's a lot of value to sharing our personal experience, but obviously uh, we want everyone to be aware of the limitations of uh, (laughs) taking what you hear hear, hear, here as medical advice. You should not do that. Um, But also a little uh, content warning or trigger warning, our conversation uh, may lead to areas that some viewers may find uncomfortable or triggering. Um, We're gonna be talking about uh, anxiety. We're gonna be talking a little bit um, about depression and we're gonna be talking a little bit about uh, traumas and uh, uh, suicide. So um, please, we uh, want everyone to take care of themselves if you uh, need to push the pause button or the mute or hop off uh, for your own for your own sake, uh, we, we encourage everyone to do that. Um, so without any further ado, let's uh, start introducing our guests. Um, it looks like uh, on the stream, it looks like Kira's first. So Kira, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Um, all right, gang. Uh, <laughs> I'm Kira. Um, I marched Cascades. Well, I've been involved with Cascades since 2015. Um, and I'm currently in, uh, currently majoring in history education at Central Washington University out here in West Coast, best coast. Hi, I'm
2: Sarah. Um, I marched Colts in 2014 and 2015, um, cadets in 17, I marched dojo percussion for indoor um, and then I marched matrix for indoor as well. Um, I work for several schools in South Florida. Um, I'm the visual caption head for strike two percussion and I am on staff at the
0: cadets and Taylor, uh, she's a repeat guest. So definitely, uh, if you haven't go back and check out the episode where uh, we talked color guard with her. Um, but Taylor, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, to the audience again?
3: Hi again. Um, I am Taylor. I uh, marched with uh, Mechanicsburg High School until I graduated in 2014. I also marched with the Hawthorne Caballeros uh, Color Guard 2012 to 2013, the Cadetsu Color Guard 2015 through 2018, where I was captain for two years, uh, the Westchester University Color Guard for two years, where I was also a captain, Cass University Winter Guard, and AMP World uh, 2018 and 2019. And sorry, it's a lot. Um, and I'm currently the uh, color guard director at Downing East High School out of X in Pennsylvania, and I also teach uh, the Hoffman-Cavaleros color guard.
0: Awesome! It's great to have all of you. Um, so, first, I guess question that I have is, like, why are we talking about this? Like, how big is uh, mental health a problem in in drum corps and? Uh, um, why did you all feel so strongly about uh, coming on this episode?
2: Um, I mean, I guess I'll start it off. Um, I think if we just look in the whole world, how large um, of an issue um, mental health awareness is, and um, all that stigma that ties in with that, um, it definitely affects the drum corps world as well. Like those things don't just go away when you get your contract. Um, and I don't have like the statistics right off of my head, but um, you know, there are more than I think we know or anyone knows that struggle with some of these issues. Um, so if you take into account all the drum corps, all the indoor programs, Um, That's a lot of people, Um, and that voice goes largely either um, shunned or just not spoken about because it's kind of an uncomfortable topic for some people. But um, just even showing that there's an attempt to, you know, get better at dealing with these kinds of situations um, and making drum corps a a great experience for everyone as much as possible, um, it's something we have to talk about. Um, if we want everyone to truly feel valued like they should so and I've been talking about it for a while and it's just really great to see that um, we're, we're on here doing this together um, and, and and it's multiple voices it's not just one so that's encouraging it is getting better but we still have um, quite a long way to go I think
4: so. yeah I think that you kind of hit it on the head of um, it's kind of, it's an expanding issue and like, we're making more, more awareness of it. Um, the way I, I know we're going to, we're going to start talking about like ADHD in a little bit about like, in, ha- um, individuals who have that in drum corps and at least, uh, so this is, I'm a special education teacher. So this is like the first time I get to like, I'm really excited. Cause the first time I get to talk like drum corps and March Man, which I love and like the special education, how the brain develops side, which is my current field. So this is, yeah. So if I seem very happy about these topics, it's not because I enjoy it. It's just. It's passion. Yeah. Um, You're passionate and, about it. You know, we're seeing one of the things like um, one of the statistics that they're saying are like for the cu- like current rise in individuals who have autism isn't because we're seeing more people with autism. It's just like we have become more aware of like what the actual symptoms are with stuff like that. And uh, we've, we've expanded definition with things like depression, we've kind of got a bit I guess smarter at trying to figure out what it is. You know, it's um uh shell shock is now defined as like PTSD. And like so we see it's different things in like how we treat the military. So I think the marching arts is definitely one of those ways because it's a very stressful environment. Um, yes. just learning in general as well as you know, just learning how the human brain handles trauma. Um, so we're just we're getting smarter. And I think it's just important to realize that like the it's a conversation now, not because the current generation I think is weaker. Um, I think there can Absolutely be- Absolutely not, yeah. yeah. No. I think there can be some studies as we'll talk about like misdiagnosing and just like kind of assuming you have something when you don't. But I think it's just, we're getting smarter at what the exact cause of something is. And yeah. we can kind of take immediate action for some of that stuff. I don't know if anyone else wanted to comment on that aspect. I know Taylor might have a thing or two to say about it. This is what, she did some study on stuff like this
3: um yeah I mean I don't know I guess just like mental health is like evolving so so much like even like right now we're currently at the DSM-5 that's the current like edition of like basically like the book used kind of uh um, yeah like the book for like mental um health and uh, like even like if you look at like like it still blows my mind that like in the 80s which was it's crazy to think it was now like 30 40 years ago um but like homosexuality was considered a mental illness at that point in time and even now like gender dysphoria is considered a mental illness still um so i guess it's just really crazy to see how much mental health is changing but it's also important to know that it can still change you know what i mean like 20 years from now like hopefully gender dysphoria will not be considered a mental illness um and you know we'll just kind of keep evolving and gaining more knowledge on everything
4: it's also important to recognize terminology is going to change as well um, I don't like using this word, but up until like the mid two thousands, uh, for someone that was mentally disabled, the correct term would have been retard. Um, and like, that was like in documentation, I, I just did a project where I had to read something that was uh, a study throughout the, from like started in 2000 to the year, 2009. And that word was just everywhere. And so like, it's one of those, it's super odd for us, like and Taylor and I work in the sped world that we're like reading documents that are younger than us. And we're finding out terminology like Asperger's is currently, depending upon where you are, it's on the way out. Um, ADHD just recently, as in the DSM five, just got put onto the autism spectrum. Um, and so there's just, it's a very evolving and changing thing. Like PTSD, they're saying like even like traumatic events like the coronavirus. I've heard some some folks say like we're seeing similar symptoms with that here. As again, the, the, I think it's important to recognize. as we have more information, we have access to stuff, we are finding more similarities in our life. And I don't, again, I don't think that's the cause of it. I think it's just the professionals are getting smarter and able to identify stuff. It's like the first time we found out what cancer was like way back in the day. All Mm. that they know was like someone was dying because they were around something. And then they narrowed in on why someone was dying. And then I found out, oh, this is similar to that. And this is similar. Now we have one word to describe many diseases where back in the day, everything was kind of separated.
2: Yeah. And I think just to touch back on why it's important to talk about this stuff is that even if you don't have a, a diagnosed um, mental illness, your your mental health is important. Every single person that your mental health should be um, respected and taken into consideration. Um, I believe in any organized activity that you are a part of, so it's not exclusive to people that um, have a mental illness or disorder. So everyone deserves to be treated kindly in that right.
5: Oh, yeah.
1: Like your brain is an organ. It's a physical, like mental health, like could be, that it's also physical health because it's your brain. Like that's a thing. So yeah. Yeah.
4: And so for the next section, we're going to talk um, about one disorder that um, as we realized in our call last night, many of us have, Um, and we're kind of doing this in a way just because it's one, when we ever, we mentioned we're gonna talk mental health and marching arts, Um, if anyone knows me, if I'm watching the podcast, hi, my name is David Keller. I very much have ADHD. Um, And so we're gonna kind of talk about ADHD, but I found it interesting, like on the call last night, um, because we we do a planning call for every podcast beforehand, I was able to find some similarities. Like I was just, in my brain, I would stop. It's like, okay, does depression work with this conversation? The answer is yes. It's like, okay, what about this disorder? What about this disorder? And I was like putting different ones that I've worked with with my students. And I think whenever we approach them in the marching arts, you can kind of, for this next part, we're just using ADHD as the main vessel Um, for that. And anything that you have, I like to think that you could put it in here in a way, as we're just going to talk more specifics about that. And again, we're not going to give, um, because technically Taylor is the only one qualified to actually like say for certain what something is based on some of the stuff she studied. Um, And I have some room to stand on because I teach, but we aren't going to try and give like cut and dry answers. Um, And as much as we're going to say a lot of this is trial and error, I'm just, my content warning is please be smart with your trial and error what works for me could end up destroying you. So please reach out to folks around you before you try something. Um, So we're just gonna kind of real quick um, describe what ADHD, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. Um, I experience it through, if anyone's watched me, I have like this tick in my throat. That's one of the symptoms that comes out of it. Everyone's sitting still, I'm very much moving like the entire episode. My desk is filled with a squishy toy, a guitar pedal, this little zip tie thing. And I, I just, I have all these things around me all the time to kind of help me stay focused. And I feel like it just, personally, I just, I feel like I have all this energy. And when it comes to talking, it just, it's one of those, it's the, like the only way how I think. So I guess if anyone wants to like kind of describe what that, what it means to you and how it manifests in yourself,
2: my, my foot is tapping like crazy, like a madman. And I know like <laughs> I can't stop it. So that's one of mine is, is, you know, I, it's hard for me to just sit still. Um, and I, it's definitely easier for me to think, um, if I'm doing something, actively doing something, um, but also like sometimes, um, I'll just be focusing on something and then get distracted very easily. And then I'm lost. I have no idea where to come back to. And so it can give me lots of energy and make me really enthusiastic and, and help me with teaching. And then it can also, you know, on the flip side be something that is a bit of a struggle. Um, So that's my personal
4: um, input here is there anything you want to add about it
1: yeah so for me it's more like yeah like I fidget like I'm playing with a bobby pin right now like I do things with my hands like if I have a hair tie or something I'll like tighten knots and untie them and all that but I find for me like it's more my brain is hyperactive versus my body so it'll be like my brain is like constantly going over things and thinking through things and like, keeping track of, like, there's a bird chirping outside. And, like, I keep tabs and all these other things. So it's, like, all in my head versus my like my actual body. And um, yeah, lost my train of thought. <laughs> but
4: they're having ADHD, it's a thing. <laughs> um, Yeah, and I think that's kind of, like, how it experiences and manifests for us. That's also one of those uh, more on the social side. Um, because it recently just got added onto the SM5 as being a part of the autism spectrum, which is a very wide spectrum, um, and can cover a lot of disorders and a lot more than people realize. Um, I experienced it that way in that I have a very strong lack of empathy for people in regards to conversations. Um, Not it's that's where you kind of get uh, it flirts with Asperger's a little bit and where like, You don't really process what the other person's saying. You process what the other person's saying from my own filter. So like I experienced that in my marriage where my wife is one love language and one way of part of conversation. But like, I'll describe something that makes sense to me in my way. And I'm like, if you don't get this, you're the one wrong. Um, So that's, that's there's part of that social side that we've seen a lot of students like that. And I definitely have. So for teaching, it's very different as well as, um, I have the more dominating side of being ADHD, where it's just like, I just kind of control conversations. And I know that's a lot more to do with my disorder than my personality. Um, and yeah, I don't know if there's any, if you guys want to comment on more the social side of it, cause there is that aspect of it as well. Cause it's not just, I fidget and I think fast and I move a lot. Like it's, there's actual parts of it that I'm like, um, like, I struggle to do this to the point it feels impossible. I don't know if Kira or Sarah wanted to add about that at all.
0: Actually, David, uh, sorry to interrupt this train, but uh, uh, we've mentioned the DSM5 a couple times. Uh, would you mind just taking a step back and just giving like a brief definition of what that is and uh, what its significance is among uh, mental health uh, professionals and communities?
4: I think Taylor can probably speak on it a little bit more because I, in the uh, the special education field, we don't touch it very often, more than because that more goes for a school psychiatrists. But um, so I'll let her go in the more detail. But basically, it's kind of the main book of where all the modern day diagnosis for uh, mental disorders comes from. And Taylor, if you want to add to that,
3: um, yeah. So I actually had to like like one of my textbooks for a class was like the DSM five. I took um a class at NYU, uh, my first years of undergrad, on child and adolescent uh, psychopathology, which is basically diagnosing childhood mental illness. Um, so we use that book a lot in class. And basically, um, like David said, it's a diagnostic manual for basically every mental like illness or disorder, any like abnormality you could imagine. Um, one thing that's interesting and different about the DSM-5 is that, uh, well, clearly it's the fifth edition, um, uh all the previous editions have you know like tried to uh, well technically it's the sixth edition because there's the four revision but i'm not going to get into that anyway um so it's it's clearly a very ongoing work that changes a lot and one thing that's very different about the dsm five from other versions of the dsm before is that before it used to be very like categorical like like this, 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 and like kind of like boxed in. But the DSM-5 is different in the sense that it's a lot of things are more on a spectrum. And it talks a lot more about comorbidities and how like different diagnoses interact with one another and things like that. So I hoped that was kind of what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. That uh, helps me understand (laughs) just the, the terminology we're using.
4: Yeah, like it's kind of one of those, the best way I can describe it for those that were out there. Um, for some reason, all I can think of is like the French language itself has this council over in France that decides never a new word comes out or stuff like that. Um, so currently the French random, the French language is currently their biggest thing is how to have gender neutral words, which everything in French is either male, masculine or feminine. Um, and they're working on it. But like in France, if the French language council one day decides this is the new way we're doing our language, like in the entire country overnight changes to that format. Um, in the special education and uh, psychiatric world, it's DSM-5 publishes something like, if they say uh, autism spectrum is now going to officially be called cranberry sauce, we'd all have to go, well, that's kind of weird, but that's our new thing now. So that's, it's, it has that much power over our job in our field. Not like that's ridiculous that- an example, but yeah
3: one thing that's also different to note is that like like david kind of mentioned this a little early about like asperger's and stuff and it's it's something that people haven't completely like followed with the dsm-5 but the dsm-5 got rid of asperger's as like its own separate thing um it's not even really like diagnosed like anyone who's been diagnosed post dsm-5 is just diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder and then from there they talk about where on the spectrum uh they lie i guess and keep in mind with autism it's not even like a I hate these words, but people t- seem to think of it as like more severe or less severe. But there are literally so many things that factor into it. But that's part of what the beauty of the DSM five is: is it looks at all of those multi, like, um, spectral like things uh, that affect your diagnoses and. This is like truly what uh, mental, just so you know, I forgot to mention this earlier, the whole point of the DSM-5 is, is that it's supposed to be a consistent way for uh, mental health professionals to diagnose mental illness. So that does not mean that you crack open the DSM-5 and you're like, oh, I have this, this, and this. I must. It's not like a, a cookbook that anyone can just use to diagnose themselves. You need to be trained in how to use it. Um, but basically that's usually what mental health professionals will reference when they're trying to diagnose. It has like like, a list of the symptoms and how often and how severe, like it's, it's very like detailed.
4: And with autism, one of the things, one of the words I've heard a lot is um, instead of like, um, it's like either high frequency or low frequency. And um, the way I've been describing it, that just means how often we see someone who has autism this severe. Um, Like I've had, like, technically, I am a I have a high frequency form of autism, and that there's a lot of people like me on there, while someone who's nonverbal, or something like that is would be considered low frequency, because autism normally does not manifest that way. Um, Except in a few like select isolated cases. So it has, as Taylor said, it's not like a, it's not like, oh, that is a broken bone, I can tell because the bone is broken. Oh, it might be a hairline. No, it's like, you have this thing that we see in other people. You have similar situations that other people have, but you do not have the exact same situations that the people have. That's also why mental health, I think, can be so difficult to, to like, lock in on sometimes because like, um, well, well, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, I guess let's just try and get back on topic. Thank you for the question, by the way, Gareth. I think that's also something we didn't consider to kind of define of like, why this conversation is so difficult. Because, you know, there's a book, I can read books, why can't I go look at the DSM-5 and figure out what I have? Um, You know, WebMD exists, I can find out, but like, and I guess mentioning WebMD, your cough can very quickly, the symptoms can turn into cancer. And so, instead of treating like your common cold, you're now treating like an upper lymph node infection because the the internet told me to. And so that's, no no misdiagnosis, one of our points, but you really have to trust your professionals um if you feel like you didn't have a very good diagnosis you if you're in high school uh your family is actually legally allowed to go get outside help sometimes it's going to come out of your pocket sometimes the schools depend upon the situation but like you know if you want to make sure it's right you have you are within some rights to have that checked correctly but um back to like adhd and drum corps um i guess one of the things we kind of talked about it i know with and I think it's interesting, like, how Kira and I were talking about how, like, it manifests so differently in her and I, and that, like, until I did marching band and drum corps, my ADHD did not make any sense. Like, I actually very much hated myself as a, as a person until, um, like, all of a sudden I started playing drum set for Indoor Drumline, and then I realized I have to watch feet, play notes, listen to pit, listen to the Met, listen forward, perform every once in a while and do all this stuff, and I'm like, this makes sense. Uh, but I know, like Kira, if you kind of want to share about your experience of it and how it it hit, it just hit a little differently.
1: Yeah. So for me, I know, like, I I get like that in a performance setting, like the energy of like, oh, I have to do this and this and this, and then there's the audience and like that in a like in short bursts that works for my brain. But I really struggle with long rehearsals. Like we'll have four hour blocks, right? That's a normal time, and I cannot stay focused the whole time. Like I do my best, but it's just so taxing for my brain to use all of my energy. And like, I do all the things I'm supposed to do. Like I want medication. Like I'm doing all the things that make it as good as I can, like make my focus as like strong and last as long as I can. But there's still times where it'll be like an hour before the end of block. And I'm just like zoning out or we'll be doing Reps of this one chunk over and over and over again. And then we'll move on to like add on another part. And like within the rep, I'll like make a mistake because my brain just like, like, yes, I know the chunk, but my brain in the moment will kind of skip over that and be like, oh, I'm done now. And I'm like, no, I'm not. What? (laughs) But um, yeah, I've had um, like staff like come in, like not our own staff, but like other staff come in and say like, oh, you need to be a hundred percent focused a hundred percent of the time. And my brain just doesn't function like that. Like that's for me, at least one of the defining aspects of how my brain works is that I can't stay focused on, like, I can't choose what my focus is on. I can try, but I can't like if my brain doesn't want to focus on what I want it to focus on, like I'll just be thinking about that other thing while I'm trying to focus on what I'm doing. Yes. I
4: used so, a lot of words. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. Once again, as you can kind of see, um, another way that the diagnosis manifests and stuff is that like pe- individuals have ADHD. We very much we think out loud, and so you can see that in Taylor, who is just like down and straight to the point. And then if you ever had a conversation with someone who's ADHD. All of a sudden, you find like nine rabbit trails. And then all of a sudden, it strangely goes back to the main one. And you're just sitting there like, how the heck did you get back there? And I'm like, "Eh, makes sense in my head. Um, Sarah, if there's anything you wanted to elaborate on that a little bit.
2: Um, Honestly, that was, I think for me, I see it manifest more in my teaching um, than my (laughs) (laughs) memberships. And it is very, very difficult. Um, And see, it's happening right now. I'm trying to choose my words. And then if I don't think of what I want to say fast enough, it's gone. You know? Um, And that is very frustrating because it makes me feel like um, an inadequate teacher or like a burden. You know, it, it doesn't, it makes me feel like not a strong asset, but also with all of that, comes a lot of relatability um, and um, energy. Uh, A lot of the time, I compensate for it, uh, speaking a lot, but um, I try to funnel it in a way to where the kids are members, depending on what organization, (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, they like, oh, you know, even if they don't have ADHD, they're like, oh, I, I lose my train of thought too. I, when, when they can see that someone like them can exist in this position, um, for me, I wish I would have gotten to see that as a member. But, um, uh, but to answer the actual question you asked me, yeah, <laughs> see, it just happened again. You just go, and um, if I don't remind myself, okay, this is the point, this is the point, this is the point, then it it may take me longer to get there than others but i will get there and i will do just as good of a job as anyone else it just might be a little bit more of a struggle for me yeah
1: i always find like i'm like i'm 2020 was supposed to be my age out so i'm still a student but i've also taught at a couple high schools so i get like both sides of things and i find when i'm teaching i almost like, I'll just sit there talking for 15 minutes, like over explaining what I'm doing and trying to explain it in multiple ways so multiple people understand because I know my brain is different. So I'm like trying to think around that. And then I'm just like talking in circles and they're bored. And I'm like, well, okay.
4: That, that's actually why I realized I was going to be a crappy band director. Um, like, just straight up, because there is about um, last year at the high school, I was assistant band directing, our band director, um, had, uh, he didn't have a baby. His wife had a, had a baby. Key point for any males in the call, the, your male is never pregnant. The wife is pregnant. Um, and so like he had to step down. He stepped down for two weeks. Um, so, and I, I was acting director and like it's, it was exactly like Kira said. Uh, and I work in special education now and um, I, I get to start this for my first year and I freaking love it because what special education is, is like one or two students at a time. So I'm I'm considering one learning style, maybe a second one to work with somebody, but like whenever I'd be teaching because with my ADHD I can kind of think about each individual I'm talking to. I don't see crowds, I just see individual faces. So I'd be like doing these sweeping generalization comments, applying like four different teaching styles in one comment where I'm giving a lot of really solid content, but it's in such a terrible way because the kids that like just need two words to get fixed. We're done five minutes ago. The kids that like need a lot more time, a lot more one-on-one focus are like, why are you still talking to everybody? And so like, that was, as Kara said it best, like it's one of those, I've actually had to like, my God bless my wife. There's been a lot of times, like when I've just like made a lesson plan and went, hi, I'm teaching this new thing at Viz tomorrow. I'm going to run it through with you and you're going to teach me how to teach it. And so, like, I've actually had to, like, whether in even little things, like, I, um, I'm the visual instructor, and, like, so I was in charge of dance. So I made a dance, and I practiced teaching it with my wife. So that before I got in front of kids, it was just like, oh, now I actually know what I'm saying. Um, and
1: Good idea. I'm going to write that down.
4: Yeah, because it's, well, it's one of those things, I think, it's a whole conversation on itself of how we fail music educators, um, like, not just the musicians, but, like, the guard instructors as well. Of that we don't teach people how to teach because we just like, oh, you mirror how you saw other people teach. That means you're a good teacher. No, uh, just because music educators didn't take a curriculum class in college does not mean they don't need to lesson plan. Just putting that out there, I'm not a band director because I did not make lesson plans when I taught. And it's a struggle point, but I can do them in special education. So
1: I See, I have, I have to make like lesson plans. Plan. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it depends on what school you go to because I know my college has... really good education program and a really good music school so like the music education program like that's what a lot of people like that's the whole reason why people go there other than that it's kind of a glorified community college I love it don't get me wrong but like I'll have music majors in my education classes and they I think they on top of that they also get classes teaching them how to teach music specifically
4: oh yeah it's there but but we don't have the court Uh, at least for me the core m- curriculum class, just because it's different for music ed. Um, I
1: think they if, have to take both at my school, but it oh, depends.
4: That's so much better than the way my school did it, but <laughs> we know about my school. Um, but like, I also think it's one of those, uh, so if you might like for this last part, before we move on to post-tour depression, um, maybe just some like little rehearsal things. And maybe like, I know Taylor Cyrus and Gareth can kind of share it with some members. Like, um, well, I know Taylor, I'll, let, I'll save the meditation talk for Taylor. But one of the things that I would do for myself that actually, like, I had a staff member kind of make not make fun of me, but like had no idea what I was doing. Um, so, ADHD, there's a symptom called hyperfocus, um, where the best example I have of it is I could probably name you every single person that played for the New York Mets from the years 1999 to 2002. Because when I was that age, all I cared about was the New York Mets and baseball. Um, I could probably tell you the top 12 cores in drum core over the last six years in order and stuff like that because that's kind of all I care about. Um, and so it, um, as well as being like the oldest person on this call that has a little bit more life in my soul, one of the things I, to, I learned how to do when I was like here in Sarah's and literally everyone else in this call's age was like how to like activate my hyper focus. Um, and for those that have been around me, like what I do is for me, I just take a big deep breath and I grunt out, and like you look at my body parts, like, hmm. and for some reason, like even then, I just had to like get me out of performance mode. And so, like every rep before I did something, I would sit there, breathe in, I would grunt out, and depending upon how loud I grunted was, how hard it was for me to focus that time. I remember uh, Father Don at C two one time because I had a clapping part for a closer. I just did it, and I like I'm locked in, nothing can move me. He just went, "What the heck did you just do?" And I'm like. What and like I completely botched that rep. I and I looked at him and went, "You cannot do that to me. Don't do that." I literally just got focused and I explained. To him, he went, "Oh, I thought you had a heart attack or something." I'm like, okay, that's fair.
1: The the point you were talking about, um, where like the instructor like interrupted you and you messed up. I always find like I know in drum corps you only have so much time to get better, and when. I have like texts talking to me like during the rep, and they're like, "Oh, like do this." I'm like, it throws me off more, and I feel like like I get the reason a why game that happened once. <laughs> like I get the reason why staff do that, like because it makes sense. Like it's like little things that you can just fix right away, but for me, it distracts me so much from what I'm doing that it just doesn't help me. But and that's everyone's brain is different. Oh yeah. So.
4: Sarah, you got anything?
1: Um, I think you guys all
2: nailed it. I guess I don't, um, I can't, I really can't think of anything as a member, as far as, because I think drum corps and indoor when I was like marching, I, that was, hyper focus was super, super, I mean, it it made me, a. I felt, helped me be a good member. It did not make me a good member, but it helped me be a very good member. And so sometimes we, we see a lot of the things that are like, man, this makes us, you know, a little tougher, but there are kind of things that where it's like, if anyone who's marched with me in any organization, um, I, I'm just like a machine, like, I've just go, 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 go. Um, and I'm able to do that um, pretty easily. But then it's like, some for some reason, when I'm teaching, and I, I get the chance to explain and not just do, it's like, uh-oh. No. But I have, I have, but the thing is, you know, you're not helpless. You can figure out how to make it work to your advantage. Um, and, you know, there are gonna be days, like I literally had today while I was teaching, where it, it is a struggle but, you know, then there are the days where it's like, wow, this is kind of my superpower a little bit too. So it's not all bad all the time for me personally.
4: I guess uh, Cyrus, Scare for Taylor, um, if you want to have like any outside observations that you guys have found while teaching, because like you've definitely had a student like us at some point, because um, we're fantastic. Um, and like just maybe some things that you have helped out or like, I was kind of like Kira said and like and again, like it's very obvious, like and nothing against Kara. I actually like when I get comments halfway halfway through. It just depends upon the rep that like because I, I as a front ensemble guy and the drum set player, I have to process information as it comes in. And so like I've had to train myself that way that like when something's happening, I can like have full conversations playing kit and yell at staff members, move, I can't see feet. Um, and so that's just with what I've been, what I've been able to do it. And again, the same thing. It's not saying I'm a better performer of Kira, it's just I'm a different performer than Kira. And like that's something that's kind of really important to like mention, like and to kind of ring it into like other conversations. Just because we're different than some it doesn't mean I'm better because I'm different. It's just I'm different. I learn differently. So I guess uh Gareth Cyrus and Taylor is there anything if you want to do like to close this section up before we move on
0: to our next one. Yeah, uh Kira's comments about like getting uh feedback during a rep really resonated with me. Um like I really liked it from the member side. Like I, I remember like thinking, Oh, like, Oh, this is the moment you're talking about. Cause sometimes like after reps, they'd say, Oh, do you remember when this happened? And, and then I would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but I think for, I mean, in, in some cases, yeah, it did mess me up. And uh, I think what really helped me then is when the tech would say, Oh yeah, that was my bad, man. Like, don't worry about it. You know, you'll get it next time. Um, so that's something that I try to do at, when I'm teaching is just like if if you uh, make a comment and someone messes up, maybe because you're distracting them, you know, just go right up to them after the ref and be like, "That was that was on me."
4: <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a baseball coach. He was my first base coach. One day, I'm like up to bat, and then like as the pitcher wound up, he just said, "Hey, David," and I literally looked up and watched a, a cheese ball go right across the plate. And I looked at him just like, "Dude." It's like you you can't do that and, and like I just saw him for first go that's on me, <laughs> so yeah take that ownership sometimes and I guess Cyrus uh, Taylor anything from y'all uh, from y'all because I'm southern I can say the word y'all. <laughs>
5: um, on my end I don't have too much more to add but uh just uh, I guess I'll comment on my end when it comes to teaching. Uh, I know when I teach one thing I always actively try to do just especially because you know, I myself have um, my own mental, mentally different ways of processing things. Uh, I, Whenever I actively like teach anybody, any, any of my students, I'll always try to stick with one method that I might feel comfortable with. And if I find it's not working for them, uh, then I'll be like, okay, uh, so maybe either I'm not being clear or I need to clarify, or maybe I just need to find another way of, uh, getting that information to them, like, because literally, I always actively, I'm always actively thinking, okay, uh, maybe I'm not doing something right, or they're processing in a different way, I need to, I need to try to figure that out. Because, like, from my perspective, that's just how it was for me. Like, I process things differently. I'm myself and on the autism spectrum. Uh, So I just always think about giving the students the experience, like, uh if it were up to me that i wish i would have had when i marched many years back yeah
3: um just a minor thing um i think it's important just listening to david and kira like kind of contrast like like here is like oh like i really need to be focused on my rep and if people try to give me information during the rep it throws me off and david on the other hand is like okay i can listen to everything at once and i think it's just really important to like understand that your students are you know some of them are only going to be able to like focus on it and apply like one correction at a time or maybe just two or three at a time and some people can just do like six or seven at a time I've, I I do not have ADHD um but I've had staff members I'm someone like like if someone gives me a comment like I I will like apply it I'm not, I don't want to be that like asshole member who's like oh no I'm not wrong um but I might not apply corrections just as, as readily there have been times where I've had staff members give me like six or seven comments in one rep And I might fix like three or four of them. And then I get reprimanded for the other two or three that I didn't get, you know what I mean? And I, that's just human. Like the human brain can only focus like regardless of ADHD or not, or any or autism spectrum or anything. Like you can only focus on so many things and it's going to vary person to person. And I'm a huge proponent of positive reinforcement and really making sure that, because you don't know what your students' brains are going to be like and what level they're like operating at, you know? so I think it's just really important to like be always giving that positive feedback when um, you do notice that your students are making a change even if it's just like a couple of things or just one thing they're trying to make better like I had a staff member literally tell me she's like it's like I give you pennies in a pocket and there's a hole in your pocket and the pennies are just going through and she's like you need to sew your hole and I'm like look I'm like I'm trying like I'm not trying to like I'm not purposely trying to like ignore you or forget things it's just like I can only apply so much at one time and one rep. And for me, it's always made the biggest difference when I've had the staff members come up to me and they're like, hey, like like one one of my texts at AMP, like he wanted me, he was like, look, I want you to really focus on like your feet during dance class. I really want you to focus on your turnout. Don't worry about your other stuff, whatever. I did that for a few weeks. He came up to me and he was like, your lower body looks so much better. You know what I mean? So I think it's just really important to keep in mind when you're teaching that your students sometimes they're not trying to be like bad or unteachable if they only apply certain things at once and that you really want to try and make sure you're positively reinforcing. Um, even if it's just one fix or eight fixes on the So,
4: Oh yeah. It's, um, which is again, just be a good teacher and a good teacher learns how to teach. Uh, that's the short message of it because like, um, Paul Cullen, we talked so many good things about Paul. And this is a very specific thing to me. So I had to do a summer melathon. Um I'm going to I have to get a drumstick and like for this part. So like I was having a hard time breathing because I was 25 and up to that point in my life had only done percussion. I did trumpet in fifth and sixth grade, euphonium in seventh, and like a semester of college band on euphonium, just like say I did brass in college. And here I am there. And every time I'm playing the instrument, it's sounding blatty and really, really forced. And I was just having trouble breathing. When you play drums, uh, we play drums. The upstroke is called the prep stroke. It's um, so because every single stroke we have, it goes up to come down because you can't just go down. It doesn't work that way. So stick goes up, stick goes down. It's the same speed, it's the exact same speed up and down. Paul Cullen, who's this super awesome, super very Spitfire man, like the middle of July, just walks with me. He's like, You, Keller, look at me. I'm like, Hi, what's up? And he's like, uh, you know how when you play a drumstick, it goes up and down. I'm like, yeah, it's called a pressure stroke. Definitely. Uh, you know how like, but like when you breathe, it's different speeds. Yeah. Yeah. And he walked away. I was just like, oh, cool. I get, I know how to breathe now. And it was funny because like every one of the other, like Chloe Caputo, Noah Crawford and like Anthony Delp all just look at me and go, what the heck did he just say? And I'm just like, he taught me how to breathe. I got it. Like and it and it was so funny because like all summer I've been struggling figuring out and like that's what's working with students at disabilities are and that's what we can kind of figure out of like that that's why I freaking love my job that like that aha moment um it's not like why I teach I teach because I just like teaching in general but like those aha moments of like I got through to the kid and like stuff like that and like and I, I for the teaching side it's very trial and error um it's I've I've done I've had to like teach the same topic a hundred times and then you get the one kid that doesn't get it and again it's not the kid's fault they learn differently so all of those teachers my principal of my school last year gave me some really good advice um attention seeking behavior is not an appropriate way to punish a kid because how can you know someone's attention uh, is having attention seeking behavior unteachable is not a proper term when you're writing a referral or writing an IAP because how do you know someone's unteachable? We're using all these terms to make us sound better as teachers. I think, I know his name is kind of taboo in circles, but I think one of the best quotes I ever got from George Hopkins um, was one day during his hop talks, he looked at us and went, yelling is a sign of a bad teacher because you're not yelling to get food to a kid, you're yelling to make yourself feel better. And any teacher who yells is a bad teacher because they've given up on effective strategies that work with kids. I guess for this next section, we're going to move on to post-tour depression. And um, I guess the notes don't uh, tend, tend to have it, but I guess if you want to toss it over to Sarah, I you know this is one of her bigger things that I've seen her posting about a lot. Um, and so for this one, again, I'm going to preface, post-tour depression is not in the DSM-5. Um, so just know that we are not talking about actual depression. We're trying to find something specific to drum corps. Um, and we are guessing or inferring of some of the causes that the six of us have sat down and all kind of agree, agreed that like, I think it's coming from this. I can see some similarities to this, um, you know, uh, and so it's, again, it's not a medical diagnosis, but we also think this is important because we've also found like exact similarities to stuff we're going through with the coronavirus, which as we're seeing cases spike up, this ain't ending anytime soon if anything i know some states are actually going back to phase one so if your mental health is going down the, the crapper right now th- i hope this conversation can help you figure it out because like it yeah it, that that's just it's gonna get a little bit worse for all of us before it gets better so i guess sarah if you kind of want to start us into the whole post depression and like what it is how it affected you um and maybe as a group we can start talking about like what we believe to be the causes
2: um, yeah, and um, I just want to preface this as well. Um, I have diagnosed clinical severe depression, um, not just post-tour depression or post-tour depression. Um, so just, sorry, my dog. Um, just I keep that in mind. No, he needs to be apologized for. <laughs> He's kind of a jerk. Um, but um, so that's an important distinction to make first um, the severity of some of my symptoms, um, may or may not be more because I do suffer from, um, not regular depression, but clinical depression, not really caused by the loss of drum core, but, um, the loss of drum core definitely, um, does not help. (laughs) And, um, you know, for me, I love working as a team with people, you know, that sense of camaraderie, um, the schedule that is put in place uh, for people that um, have depression or anxiety schedules for some of us really, really help having a set schedule. Um, so when that's kind of gone, it almost feels like you're thrown to the wind. Um, and, uh, over time, you know, if you struggle getting back to finding that kind of sense of normalcy in your life, um, it can feel very hopeless to some people. Um, me personally, that's, that's how it felt. Um, so, and it, and it varies from person to person, but I think like, like we talked about, um, on the call last night, like the, the things that everyone misses, you know, like, um, like the, the loneliest shower, you know, your first shower back from tour and, and, um, you're all by yourself. Um, sometimes, um, not sleeping in a gym, you know, sleeping alone for lack of a better term. That can, that, that hurt me a lot, you know, cause I felt safe when I had that. Um, and then, you know, when it's just kind of yanked from you, um, It can, um, it's just, you know, that sense of kind of, okay, everything I have known for so long is gone with really no sense of closure. And that affects people differently. But um, I don't know if there, anything else you wanted me to hit on that?
4: Oh, I think that's Um, a great, great starting point because like, and to kind of go more like, as lightly as we feel going the clinical side of things, I know like it takes 180 days to form a like lifelong habit, mm-hmm. and drum corps is 90 days.
2: Mm-hmm. So
4: you go halfway down the process of creating something your body can never unlearn. Yes, and those routines, like even DCA, um, it's just that whole like routine of like work, 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 drum corps, drum corps, drum corps, work, work, like that routine, and just like it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, or like even indoor or whatever. And then I think also I I use the idea, I, I use the word hive mind a lot, where I yeah. think a lot of I personally had a hellacious time my last college marching band year. Um, not knocking the ensemble I was in, it's just it's very soul fulfilling, especially as someone who did sports in high school, to be around hundred plus people. Actually, like, yeah, DC is definitely 150 plus because it's not just the members so it's not just the golden section it was the brass line it was the core it was the staff it was the admin it was the volunteers it was the parents it was my parents it was my girlfriend it was the fans Mm -hmm. all want the drum corps cadets to succeed and so everywhere I went with the word c2 on me we all had the same goal yeah and that goal was to be as great as possible and then I get to college band it's just like I just want to have fun And I just want to stop there, and then you're like, "But what? We could be better. We could be so much better." And it's like, "But like, but this is fine." And yeah, or like the staff is just like, and not knocking again, not knocking college band. It's it's just it's different. And then you get no, yeah, and like you want to talk about it, like like, (laughs) Rochester, Rochester, Indianapolis, sometimes or Dayton, Ohio feels like the center of the world, and then you leave it, and it's just like no one cares.
2: Yeah, I actually started um, the first day of. college band camp um the day after I got home from tour and I so I was still dealing with you know missing my friends um feeling weird about sitting on chairs and eating in chairs I still trying to get my head around using the microwave like really your whole life changes you know and and no one around you seems to understand that and just kind of expects you to be like, well, this is obviously a better way, right? Like you don't have to sit on the curb and eat. This is obviously better, right? And it's like, well, not for me, you know what I mean? And like, I came back and, you know, I had band camp and I was just kind of, I was burnt out really. You know, I didn't really want to do any more band right at that moment. So also being in that situation reminded me of drum corps me very very upset and and again it, it was a c- completely different kind of i i i'm not knocking college band but it's definitely not yeah. for me college marching band is not for me um because yeah i can only do it that one way like
4: yeah and I also go hard
2: it. all the time so
4: yeah the cadets you know um it's <laughs> like it's like it's also we i think we also see like in high school band where it's just like And again, I think it's really important to mention like we're not knocking these ensembles because a lower standard is not a bad thing. Like, I know like Westchester marching band is one of the best bands in the country and I went to Liberty, which has a pretty good band. But like, just because my director has a different mindset than their director, does that make Westchester a better band in the grand scheme of things than Liberty? No, I would argue person to person might have a different scene but not really because it's just like then what are we saying about ohio state what are we saying what are you saying about stanford that doesn't have a band they just get a bunch of drunk people just to run around and go make funny shit. <laughs> like and it's just like we just have different goals and stuff like that but that because that, yeah. that was hard for me because like i just like i couldn't explain to people it's just like i want to be better than anybody mm. out here and like anybody we play against and they're like that doesn't seem healthy and i'm like well Maybe I don't want to be healthy. I don't know. Um, is there anybody? <laughs> well, you that...
2: you get familiar with that, so it's yeah. like that's how your machine runs.
4: Is there anybody else that wants to add on something like that? Or maybe it doesn't have to be college band. It's just like the idea of just like run tour for ninety days and then we're not, or like DCA that finals week we get like five days straight and then we're just like go home.
1: Um, for me, a lot of well like pretty much there's like a fair amount of schools on the west coast mine included that are on a quarter system so we don't start until like end of september middle of september
0: yeah quarter system gang
1: yeah and um so i'll like come back home from tour and i'll have like a month and a half to just not do anything sometimes i'll teach and that's fun but like having that like detox period is nice because i feel like i can do college marching band and i actually like enjoy it because it's similar but like it's like close enough to remind me of it but not enough to like hook me into that like I does that make sense I can't no, My yeah. <laughs> but I think it also helps that like my college marching band is like there's a lot it's one it's a small school so there's not that many like it's not Ohio State or anything like it's a small school and two there's a fair amount of drum corps people in there. So I'm marching with people that I marched with because I go to a school up here in Washington. So there's a lot of people who march Cascades. Like we have, we'll have hangouts and stuff. Like I'm seeing my friends that i marched with and also like the show, like the music and stuff we perform. Like the the director at my college band, he was the core director at Cascades for a while and he arranged our music. So having like that similar, like I'm playing similar stuff was really nice, but it's also, like, fun. I don't know. That's my experience.
3: I, I wonder if there was something out there that is kind of, like, it- it's just, like, different, I guess. So, like, with me going to um, Mechanicsburg High School, for anyone who's familiar with the color program, it was a pretty strong color program. Pretty a few strong?
4: Years back. Uh, you strong? Go ahead. Don't You have to be humble. They're very strong. <laughs> the fact that we know a high school's name means they're really good
3: well thanks um but we a lot of i don't know anything um we don't even do boa honestly it's the it's the wgi where we uh shine but that that (laughs) aside
1: you're
3: like we don't got any of that um but uh because of that we would actually have like usually there'd be a group of like two to five girls i say girls because like we were an old girl female identifying uh color guard um who would all go march drum corps together Um, A lot of us marched the Glassman uh, because that's where a lot of our staff uh, taught and stuff. Um, I only filled a hole with the Glassman in 2011, like the last two weeks of tour. I I usually don't even mention it when I say I marched places. Not because I'm ashamed, obviously, but I just feel like I didn't earn like the full title season and stuff. That's just like a me thing um but everyone there was super nice they're like no stop you're one of us like here's a chain link and everything and I was like I don't feel worthy but um that aside it was it was kind of interesting to see like these girls who went and they had tour together but then they also were able to come home and still have those people and I feel like that's a very unique thing because I think a lot of people march drum corps then they go home and they're all by themselves and no one gets it at all like when I filled the hole in 2011 um my best friend in the color guard at the time, she was marching Glassman the whole summer. And like, she like cried when I came to fill the hole. And when we went home, like it was her first time coming back from DCI tour. So it was her first tour depression she'd ever experienced. But having people around that um, were on tour with her really helped her kind of get through it, I think. Um, So I guess I just wanted to throw that out there. That it was a very like interesting, like contrasting experience. You know, the fact that like, you know, in in some schools you'll have people who march drum corps together and they at least can like kind of rely on each other like with the post sort depression, instead of being totally like alone
4: yeah that, no that's that's definitely a thing especially at liberty like austin s corell and i like we were never like close friends but just like he was a guy that i could just like bump into and it just i don't know it's that whole like the conversation felt like putting on show gloves It just like it just felt good it felt right i didn't ask to like, change anything um I know we talked code switching mostly more of like as a racism term, but like at least in Christianity, I have to be very careful who I can talk to around what people at times, because I don't want to like insult their beliefs or their like Christian liberties and stuff. But like, it's just nice to get around certain people that just like, you don't care whatever I say, let's just talk banned for like five hours because like, that's just what you <laughs> want to talk about. And so I very much get that. Um, Where like, it's even sometimes where like my wife, um, she had a not so great experience teaching so marching band definitely became like a burnout experience to her. But like she doesn't understand the fact that like it's like yeah, we're going to this show. We're going to leave 3 after 3 hours after it ends in Salem. They're like she's like why? I'm like <laughs> I get to see my friend Matt Heron. I haven't I get to see Matt once a year. He lives in Texas and those those that know who Matt Heron is, you know exactly why when I hugged that man, it's the greatest hug of my entire life. Um and like we pray together cry together we do all these things and like or like seen like Andrew Morrison or like Osbert Way or stuff at like shows like over the summer it's just like I just I love you guys like we were never really close to me Mars, but it's, just, it's so great to see people mm-hmm. that I don't get to see every day and so like mm-hmm. Taylor is definitely I think that's why like a lot of times I look up to her a lot for these things because like she's had people around her like we had Mackenzie on it's very clear you guys understand each other because you guys toward different groups but like when he came back it's just like oh i know how to help my friend out and so i think that's a big thing it's just like staying in touch it's like why gareth cyrus and i kind of started this podcast because like we just freaking missed drum corps. and i went hey cyrus you want to talk drum corps? and he went yes <laughs> it wasn't even the second thought it was just and i saw cyrus i saw you unmuted yourself so i feel like you you have something you would like to say as your cursor ever so ever so gracefully went across the stream
5: oh i i literally just unmuted just so you could hear me laughing that's really good i got
4: you.
5: (laughs) i got you is there anything you want to add to this one um i'm just thinking uh no i don't think so but yeah just basically um yeah like when you offered up starting this uh i was just excited to want to spend a summer uh like actually talking about it and just like getting people on and like learn new experiences and get these new perspectives just all a good yeah. thing yeah
1: i think i brought this up yesterday and when we were talking about how like when i come back from band like because i've been doing it for so long i find it really hard to like connect with like normal regular people <laughs> like people yeah. who don't do this yeah because like in drum court, like like, I met my best friend because she, it was her first camp, and I sat down and just started venting to her. Like, I had never talked to her before, and we're like best friends now because of that. And I can't do that with a normal person. <laughs> like, and I don't, that's like the, the more like long term effects of, uh, <laughs> uh, more long term effects of like post tour depression for me. It's like I feel more and more isolated from like, the outside regular world because i don't i don't know how to like hold back from just dumping everything out on a person because like in drum court like you're showering together you're sleeping together like you're just gonna get to know each other really fast and you're
4: farting on each other you just you're <laughs> so comfortable it's not even normal
1: yeah and it's it's not normal but it feels normal to me because i've like i've been doing it for like five years oh. yeah it i just, think
4: my I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think my favorite moment of like when I recognized or forgot I was not in a drum corps setting. So, my friend Maggie, she marched with me at Liberty for four years. I freaking love her to death. She's from Jersey and like we try to outswear each other, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it's Christian pastimes. who can swear more because, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> but like, um, I was having a conversation with her. And for those that have ever been around someone that sits in drum corps, I'll spare the gross details. We really like gold bonds for reasons. And so I'm having a conversation with her, like on the field, um, which funny enough, the first day I got back at Liberty, I had to move a truck, I just ripped my shirt off and Liberty has a no shirts off on campus roll. And so my, my battery captioning was just like, David, think about where you are. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. But it's like, I'm talking to Maggie and like, it's like, yeah, my summer's pretty great. And I just like take out a can of gold bond. I'm like applying it everywhere. And like, yeah, my summer is awesome. You know, how was your summer? Like we're having a whole conversation realized halfway through. I'm like, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> Cause like, it's just, I, I think here, here, it feels very isolating because like you don't, under, like you have to like be a different person. Cause like, you know, Gareth and I, like we had like our little jokes and stuff like that. It was just fantastic. But then I was being Lynchburg. No one had marched with me in 2017 and I can't talk to anybody about that experience. You know, like the only chance I get is on Facebook, and it's either in a Facebook message, which doesn't feel right, or it's in a Facebook group where other people start yelling at you for not appreciating something the same way that they did. And so it's just like I I you get back and it's just like, how do I, I feel these things? I experienced this. So like I'm really sorry I had a different summer than you. And like it's, I'm not trying to like blame stuff, but as you can kind of tell, post tour is it's a lot of things, and it's a very complex issue that like comes up in a lot of ways and um i don't think i don't know i guess gareth you got the transition for the next point so i'll I'll, I'll finish my points is i'll let you try and get us in the next section um and i think it's just one of those for the older members that are like the older like alumni that are watching is just like please reach out to to anybody that's in your core just at all i think like honestly yeah. even talking with guys like george lee and just like hearing him talk about it like even like years later after i marched he's awesome or like uh i don't know if anybody here knows like a guy named matt power he marched cadet snare back in the 90s oh, yeah, yeah. um wild dude i got in touch with him <laughs> when he was making a uh, bullet head drums and like just talking of him was so awesome and so like it's just like you kind of can find like solace and like alumni from organizations that were just like you know reach out to younger members and even ways just like yo tell me about your summer um mm. or just, just like, like
2: facetime dates you know what i'm saying yeah. like we had a, a like a party the colts uh brass ladies as we've coined ourselves <laughs> um we had jackets and everything it's a thing there it's very it's a very important unity thing that the colts has yeah um, i love is, that do that is the brass ladies and i'm sure female identifying, that's all been encompassed now. Um, I don't know that, but I, you know, I would hope. Um, and so we were like, yo, I miss all of you. Let's just at seven o'clock, let's go on Zoom, like have, you know, just talk about our experiences and like reminisce. And that—that that is probably the thing that helps me the most with my post anything depression is like, talk to those people and like reminisce a little bit and chat about it.
4: I guess if well, – we'll do a quick comparison because we are getting a little short on time. We have topics we definitely, like, need to get to. Mm-hmm. Coronavirus. This is the same exact stuff. We as drum corps people are actually very prepared for these things. So whatever – I know, like, I don't want to, like, just be like, whatever worked here, like, work there because we try to avoid that. But, like, straight up, whatever work that gets you through post or is going to get you through corona, and that's people. You know, I am an extrovert. My wife is an introvert. She's super jealous that I got to stay home all day because my job doesn't need me. And so like, <laughs> I got to go into work on Tuesday. I had that marked on my calendar for a month. I was like, I got to see people. This is freaking cool. And so like, you know, this, this podcast was one of the ways I started just to get mentally sane just so I could have like regulated, cool, I got to see Gareth and Cyrus four days a week thank God I gotta talk to somebody. And my wife's like, thank God you're not only talking to me. It's like, I bombard that poor woman's ears sometimes, but like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, try and find out what got you for tour. I'll, I'll, I want to stop talking because I want to get to the next part. Find out what got you for tour and just kind of apply it here. So I guess we'll go into the Garrett for the next section. And it's um
1: That social distance and wear a mask.
0: Just
4: oh yeah, wear a mask. <laughs> putting that out
0: there. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. Keep your friends healthy. Um, I guess guess, if if you want to do
4: another content warning going into this next section.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So pretty soon we're going to start talking more about uh, loss and trauma and uh, losing friends to um, suicide and self-harm. So um, feel free to pause the episode, um, come back later if you feel better later. Um, We don't want anyone to... um, listen to the, any of this at the cost of uh, um, any of their own uh, health and safety. Um, so anyways, I guess how I might tr- transition to this is, um, so I actually lost uh, a friend to suicide before this last uh, school year. Um, and it really affected um, my, my quarter. Um, I had classes in, in the same rooms that I had classes with um, my friend in before um, he passed. Um, and for example, like some days it felt really good to go to class. It was like, okay, even though it feels ridiculous to be talking about Beethoven right now, it's, um, you know, it feels normal and it's it's nice to sort of like move on and live my life. But, you know, other days I was just like, I. I don't e I don't want to go to class at all. Um, I'm just gonna stay home in bed and <laughs> um not face the world. Um and yeah, I, I guess uh I don't wanna put you on the spot, Taylor, but I know um you've also lost some some people and uh um, Kira
4: Kira has as well. Yeah. As do I, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um I guess yeah, I don't have any like drum corps specific uh, stories necessarily, but uh, I imagine that um, it affects your relationship with rehearsals and uh, um, stuff like that in in similar ways.
3: Um, Yeah, I guess we'll just kind of uh, dive in. So um, during the middle of my junior year of high school, um, I was in the middle of a very serious relationship. It wasn't like one of those typical, like dumb high school relationships like we were together for like well over two years and like we were like that couple where they were like oh like they're gonna actually make it they're gonna be high school sweethearts and like you know all that good stuff um and then one day he died very suddenly in the middle of the school day um he was practicing his trombone in the practice room and um that was obviously very traumatic for me um it was January so indoor peeps you know it's kind of like literally like right in the middle of indoor season um, right before shows start and all that stuff so um, it was it was a tough time but um, I think what truly got me through it was the marching arts community Um, when like the day that he had passed away I was supposed to have color guard rehearsal that night and I the first thing I wanted to do was just get to rehearsal I wanted to be with my people um you know i just i needed to you know perform and stuff and uh for any of you who are color guard indoor peeps or whatever um it was a mechanics Works 2013 show so like if anyone has seen it and watched that live it's very uh serious um and very like heart-wrenching to watch um so there was that but then also a couple months later literally like not even two weeks before Dayton, uh, one of my friends committed suicide and he was a very close friend to a lot of us in the color guard. He was in the band with us. Um, and if you watch the finals performance for mechanics high school in 2013, like you can hear us literally like sobbing on the floor, like as we're performing uh, because we had literally buried him a week earlier, like a week before finals night. So that, it was, what show that? Uh, it was 2013. It was called back to you. The show with like the chairs. Okay. Um, so anyway, if you guys want to check it out, it was pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. put that aside. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, just like for me, like I wouldn't have gotten through it if not for the community and if not for having performing as an outlet. Um, and this also just ties back into the whole mental health care thing, but I know that there are some people who don't like her, but I will fight to the death to defend Christy Templin, like until like my last breath. Um, Christy Templin is the color guard or was the color guard director at Mechanicsburg High School uh, when I was marching and she is so like she is so key to my recovery and my experience with that Um, and like you know David has said anyone who knows the Mechanicsburg girls and Christy like people from the outside think there's just like some weird culty like undying loyalty but it's literally just because unlike so many other staff members she cares so deeply like she like has a background in the field like she got her msw and everything and she's so knowledgeable and she cares so much like she's the kind of person who like if she knows stuff's going on at home she'll like text you or call you and see what's going on if my sister got in a fight with one of my parents she would call me while i was away at college and just be like hey like check on your sister tonight like even my my boyfriend passed away seven years ago this past January. She still texts me on the anniversary of his death every single year. And like I'm engaged to be married next year and everything, you know, like life has gone on. Um, But she still always makes it a point to, to care. And she's really, really there for the kids that she teaches. So I guess I just want to throw that out there because we really need more staff members out there who are like Christy and who care and invest so much in their students' mental health.
4: Yeah, I just... I really want to hear from Cyrus and Kira, but I want to make a point of uh, we actually, I think we felt Gareth, Cyrus, and I very satisfied with Kira and Sarah when we invited them to come on um, and talking about this stuff. But like it didn't, I remember Taylor and I never really talked a lot in 2016, but and I couldn't tell if it was just because it was the first time I was actually seeing a really good not college man color guard. but then around january is when she started posting about it and then like it just clicked and if you've ever met taylor she eats breathes, and sleeps color guard and it's one of those things that this activity is for her and it was i couldn't really peg why until i figured out how much she would lost and but how much she'd found in color guard and yeah c2 folks fought christy templin disciples were a cult but then like that's that's a thing but then like all of a sudden you kind of realize why they were the way that they were and it's just like oh because they die for that woman, because that woman would die and kill for them and i don't know i've i've told taylor this a bunch of times i've sung her praises about it and because it's just like <laughs> it's very it's very inspirational to me as a teacher to see christy have that impact to the point that in 16 i i just couldn't connect the dots of why taylor was such a good and interesting poor performer to watch because a drum set player i'm watching everybody and like there's times like when i'm bored i like don't tell my staff it's like watch the parts of the field and just like try and get like a different angle or something i'm just like that person is just like really good and that person's really good and they're like i don't know because it's just it's one of those color guard things you can put your heart into it but like you know this this woman got built up by got built back up by color guard and I think it's just it's very obvious and that's so I want I just want to say thank you for coming out and sharing your story it really means a lot because it's no thank it's you meant for having to, me it's meant a lot to me since I found out about it in 2017 and like and I also think like to go a step further of like what this activity in the family means like the fact that like uh Armand if anyone's met him uh, her fiance who she met for the activity is like super supportive about stuff like this. So even whenever we experience loss, like even within the family, um, I always find it interesting, especially because uh, it's not something I've experienced in my family of like members who have loved somebody, lost someone and loved someone else. I feel like I got to give props to Armand for like just being that person for you of knowing like that's that wound wasn't something he was responsible for, but he he does such a good job and as well as, I feel like everybody in the Drum Corker family that knows that towards Taylor. So I just wanted to like prop up and say, thank you, Taylor, for coming on. As, as well as like give Armand the compliments he deserves. Awesome. <laughs>
3: Thanks. <laughs> when you made the comment about like Christy's, like the girls who've been taught by Christy would like die for her, but it's because she would do the same for them. It, it, I got, honestly, I started getting like choked up when you said that. Cause like, God, like that, I don't even have the words like that. When all of that happened, like, like that woman literally like physically like held me together like i i fell apart and like she literally like just wrapped her arms around me you know what i mean like i just uh i don't have the words
4: well you mentioned huh? you called you mentioned you called her before you called your own parents
3: yeah like i i what when when i found out that my boyfriend had passed away christy was the first person i called out of everyone, um, she was just the first person I, I thought to to speak to. So,
4: I guess we're gonna we'll move on to other stories. But I guess like mm-hmm. only because I've been on the staff side of this conversation one, two, two times, as well as about three really nasty divorces. Um, Part of my friends, but they don't prepare you for some of this shit. And I know we're very we're very pertinent about not swearing on right here, but I think sometimes that's a strong enough adult word. They don't prepare you for a family, a, a mom walking up to rehearsal and saying, uh, "Your senior drum major and your freshman trumpet player dad just passed away." Um, I'm getting choked up just talking about this stuff, and like it's one of those odd things that I think as a teacher. It scares me at times to hope that I'm strong enough to do that for people. Like cause I want because I hear stuff about Christians just like that's who I want to be. Cause like that's the impact I want to have. Because marching arts, we have such a naked way to kind of explain ourselves and like expose ourselves and and entertain ourselves. And so like it's just when we have those emotions and the life creeps in, it's just be there for your kids. It's just it's the only way I can kind of say it.
3: I know. Sorry, I know we're going like really long on this, but when you talked about the teaching card, I I had never mentioned this before. But at both, like both, when my boyfriend passed and when my best friend followed a few uh, a couple months later, our band director had to eulogize both of them. Like he was asked to speak at both funerals. And it's just when you go into music education, especially now that like my fiance is like you know beginning that he just finished his masters, and I have a lot of friends who are like music educators. Like I see it from their point of view, like you know you don't go into this thinking you're gonna like eulogize your students you know it's just insane but it's it's because of the kind of impact that like they made you know like the families wouldn't have asked the band director but like you know what i mean like he made such an impact on them and music was such a big part of their lives it's just it's just crazy i don't know yeah you're but their just... teacher
4: uh you're their teacher for four to seven years yeah depending upon the system you're in and if you're in a private school and you're k through 12 you're with that kid for literally Thirteen years of this person's life, meeting parents, understanding stuff like that. That's why, like, I, I love, and I guess like, and I'll, I'll move on to Kira next. Like, it's why, I, like, I really value the relationship I have with my band parents, just because like, I was an assistant director, and it's like as a percussion instructor, I have the ones in my life where literally I can go, I, I'll say things like, "Man, I'm just like hungry today. Like, it's been an odd day," and all of a sudden, like renee mccardo just shows up to me with food and it's like i got you steak or chicken which one do you want and i'm like dude woman i didn't ask you for any of this i love you and like I've, i and so it's we all as, as well as like the members and stuff music ed and the performers the parents are another big aspect of something at least from the staff side of things but also it's something parents pass away and it's something in this activity we have to deal with and um, I guess, Kara, if you want to share your story about all this.
1: So, yeah, um, in February of twenty sixteen, my dad went on a trip for his uncle's funeral. Actually, my dad was from New Zealand, and um, he passed away while he was down there, really unexpectedly. If it, we had expected it, we probably wouldn't have let him go, but um I remember like my mom so my dad was a very well-known person in our community. I'm from a small town and he was like the go-to guy for any like sound system, any lights like for like 4th of July, he'd set up the stage. Like he he was very well known and so in order to like get down there, my mom only told like 5 people outside of our family. And one of them was my band director. And my band director, he's like 32 now. Like, this was my senior year. Like, he was really young. And my mom had to, like, go into school and, like, tell him, like, on his free period, like, hey, like, Brian passed away. And they were really good friends, too. Like, they, like, it's just a mess. So, like, we went down there. And then when we came back, there was a Cascades camp that weekend. So we came back like Saturday night. We were jet lagged because time difference. And like, I like woke up my mom and I'm like, mom, I just, I just want to go to camp. Like that's where I want to be. Like that was that. So 20, I volunteered in 2015. So I had been on tour, but I hadn't actually marched. So 2016 was my first year, like actually doing the band thing. (laughs) And like I had only had a handful of camps at that point but I'm like these are my people I just want like I want to be there like I don't like I've been stuck with my family for a week I just want to be with my other my band family and like I don't know man just drum corps like helped me so much like I can't even begin to describe it and my band director like we're like we've had Christmas we've had Thanksgiving with him and his family like he's still like a really close person and um, he was also the brass captioned at Cascades like at the time and I can't there's I can't even begin to list the amount of ways that he's been there for me like beyond just being like a good educator and like supporting his students like he's been there for me so much and I can't even like begin to thank him enough so sorry if you're watching calling you out (laughs) Um, but yeah um, I think and I wasn't so I'm a flute player I was well not anymore but I was learning mellophone so I could march in 2016 this is like all over the place and I'm sorry (laughs) Um, I was learning mellophone so I could march and This was like back when physicals were like optional. You didn't have to get one done. It was suggested, but you didn't have to do one. They now do them partially because of me. Um, I went and got my physical done in between the two May camps. And I found, they found a giant ovarian cyst. So it meant I needed to have surgery. And the day after the last camp, my mom texted me. and was like, hey, go to the band room after school, which is not an uncommon text to get from my parents. I'm like, okay. And I walked into the office and she told him probably like 30 seconds before I walked in that like, I wasn't going to be able to march that year because I needed to have my surgery. And I was just absolutely crushed. Like I was in such a bad mental place. I think if my friend hadn't suggested like, Hey, there's a spot in the front ensemble, try feeling that. If he hadn't suggested that, and if I hadn't gone on tour, I probably would have attempted suicide at some point that summer. Like drum corps is my happy place and drum corps has helped me get through all that partially because there's just not even time to process that sort of stuff like on like this happened before tour happened like but when you're in the moment like you're just surrounded by people and that's something that really helped me and there's still like my dad's birthday is july 23rd and the year he died that was the san antonio show so like that's kind of a show that i like, even if it's not on his birthday, it makes me think of my dad, and I, like, I have, I'll have, like, depression on tour, and I'll be, like, super zoned out and out of it, but, like, the staff at Cascades have known me, and they, like, support me, and they're kind of, like, oh, like, she's doing okay, like, just leave her alone, don't, like, I mean, like, they're there for me, but they're not gonna, like, be hard on me because that's like our first big regional so they're like oh everyone get hyped up let's go but like for me they'll kind of like leave me out like not leave me out you know what I'm trying to say I'm bad at words (laughs) but they'll give me your space like yeah they'll give me my space to like because it's clear like I'm not performing with my face in rehearsal because I'm just like going through the motions more and I've had there's this one staff member I've had the past couple of years who went through something really similar and on the outside he's a very like kind of gruff um I'm trying to think of the word uh, abrupt kind of like abrasive not abrasive either I don't know but like on the outside he's like that but he pulled me aside and was like hey like I am here for you this sucks like I understand what it's like like if you need someone to talk to I'm here and I'll still message him every once in a while and be like hey this kind of sucks and be like yep and then we'll say something super sage wisdomy and I'm like that makes me feel better but this is kind of kind of all over the place so yep that's oh. that's what happened to me but
4: well because I think it's just one of those. As a Christian, I think the biggest problem I have with people in my faith is when they kind of forget the fact that we're people and there's so much to it. And I think marching band and drum corps gets it right, especially lately because WGI is such a regional activity. So it's a lot of folks that like, we all all kind of get each other because we're all from around the same area-ish, the country. That there's so much going on in people, and we get to really see it. You know, like yeah. the fact that I say y'all, and probably no one else in this call really will.
1: I say y'all because, like, I started out as a joke because, yeah. like, we'd have Team Texas, and I'm like, huh, y'all. And now I just can't stop well, saying it.
4: Oh, well, even there, it's like we speak differently. um You know, I know Cyrus, Gareth, and I on our Black Lives Matter conversations, we've all realized, like, what we go for you know tither has stuff and it's like as the white folks on this call we have our own life and then we'll just we'll be able to see the differences in everybody else but then we just forget our brains are different like development is such a hard thing to pinpoint like no one even knows like what really makes a person be who they are is it behavior is it genetics is it like what actually makes it and so like but i feel like marching band is just again it's just like it's more than, like, 20 people going for a similar goal. And with the demand going up, you know.
1: I also, like, this is something I want to say. I think it's important, like, for, like, on the staff side of things to realize, like, that's not something that you just get over in a matter of months. Like, I have lost really good friends. Like, not, like, lost, lost. Like, I'm not friends with them anymore because – even a couple months after my dad died, they're like, why are you still upset about this? This was a couple months ago. And I'm like... Oh, that's just awesome. Happened? It's fine. Um, <laughs> but, and like, I'll have, like, I've, I'm lucky that I've had staff because my band director was the brass caption head like that year. So he knew me. And then from there on, like the rest of the staff got to know me. But something that's like held me back from auditioning other places is like oh are they going to be understanding about the fact that like for like three or four days around the first regional I just go into zombie mode and I can't do anything like are they going to replace me with an alternate like I don't want that like I'm here and I know how to do this but like life gets like other outside of band life gets in the way of that sometimes and I feel like like I'm lucky to have had staff who understand that but I feel like in general more staff need to be aware like that this isn't, there's not like a couple of people that deal with stuff like this. Like this is more, like it's more widespread than we really think.
4: I think, and when we have these more serious calls and we really hope that the audience listening to it um, reaches out to DCI to kind of have these conversations. Um, I really liked, um, we were talked we talked everything last night. <laughs> Like, we had like a for four hour records.
1: call yesterday.
4: <laughs> yeah, for record, like we started our call at like eight o'clock, and then Sarah, Kira, and I, like we hung up around like 11 Eastern time. No, midnight Eastern time, because we just started talking and it was awesome. So, like, the call went everywhere. But one of the things I kind of really enjoyed was we were talking like Denise filio, and like cadets and how they responded to the Black Lives Matter, and how, um like, one of the things that was said is like cadets were kind of like, they weren't slow to get the response out. They were, patient to get the response out and yeah. then one of the things that came to it was we were talking like from that it's just like okay step one is just like announcing we do something and i know um uh kira like cascades they put out like a giant thing and i think you mentioned uh like, they actually, like, now have, like, mental health as, like, part of the handbook or something, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, there's a paragraph in that, on, in the yeah. handbook now.
4: And so, like, that's a great first step. And then Sarah and I were talking about, like, how what the cadets can do, because the cadets are just, like, you know, they're a top seven core, historically. Um, they're and, doing a lot
2: on the mental yeah. health side. They, I, I mean, I've never been more proud to be a cadet than I am right now with how Denise and how she's handling um all fa- facets
4: of that so and then i think an interesting part was kira's immediate response was well you know as a bottom end world-class core what can we do about that because like for them it's for cadets it's just like oh we just won't use a prop this year and like we'll have the same amount of resources um but we'll you know we'll be fine we're just we're going to be able to afford this and do everything else the top notch but kira's got a point like there's cores out there not saying like cores like cascades don't handle their money correctly or other things because that's not it at all it's just you know as drum corps tycoon has taught us when you have a very popular core people buy your merch they know your brand they go to camps and stuff like that and as well as cascades is the core of the northwest like how can they afford to get these staff and we were talking about conversations it's like and the kind of the thing I came to, I guess we could talk in point of like, what can DCI do before we start talking about what we as individuals can do for our own stuff is like something I thought about, like if if DCI cannot protect its members' mental health, then DCI does not deserve to be the circuit that facilitates our activity. Because if they have the authority to make Pioneer fold, they have the authority and the resources and the means and the control to start putting in place things that aren't just a video you watch once on tour and then some cores don't even reference again later for their whistleblower program. Um, whether I'll kind of let everyone talk about that point, but to me, it's like, what if DCI got like a stipend where they paid half of a mental health worker's salary and the core covered the other part because, or little things like that. I don't know. What do you got Taylor?
3: Sorry. I just, so I was just, as you said this, my wheel started turning. So my thing is that like, there are some things that need to be handled monetarily without like, like, I think we were talking about like how, um, my one friend is looking into, um, social workers, like, you know, having one on with on tour constantly at all times or whatever to help deal with those things. But honestly, like a lot of it doesn't have to be monetary and it just needs to be a matter of taking the time carving out that precious rehearsal time that cores value above all else and making time for the members like and this is kind of going into the coping stuff like if you carve out time and I think it's personally for me I think it'd be better to maybe do it at the end of the day but some people you know it's whatever but just carving out time for your members to like meditate or do you know what I mean like yeah. a lot of like these things that can be addressing mental health I... issues it's just a matter of reallocating time it doesn't necessarily have to be like a monetary thing you know yeah.
1: I agree for the most part, except like you're talking about precious rehearsal time, like at Cascades, we'll get housing sites that are two hours away from the show site. Mm-hmm. So we get like a lot less time to rehearse anyways. And the monetary like the outside monetary thing how like our playmen those are interconnected. So, like, I'm, like, definitely all for, like, hey, we should take care of our members' mental health. Like, that's something that makes sense, but I think that's something that people don't really think about is how, like... Uh, I, no, you're, you're on to something. So you're on to something. I know, I just, like, the words. Yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> my,
3: my thing is that for, like, like, tour days, like, I totally get that I also know that, like, a lot of cores will have, like, you know what I mean? Like, you rehearse for and be, like, four hours, and then, like, you got to go to the show, you know? Like, it's not necessarily a lot. I'm speaking more so for, like, the groups that will have you rehearse 15 hours a day for like three days you know to try like it's that part of it or like more so yeah okay I know during tour it can definitely be hard um but I think that's where like you know free days kind of come in not that free days are necessarily like a cure but just getting that time to like you know get away from it I think can be beneficial but
1: yeah
3: I yeah I do know that like some some chords don't have the luxury of a lot of rehearsal time but it's to the point when like like I've been places where you know they will run you into the ground and you'll get a 20 minute lunch break and rehearse 15 hours a day and they don't care you know
1: yeah and i know like my core has always been really good well not always but like since i've been there has been good about giving like your students rest like i think last year something like five members of our staff were like had their degrees in special ed so they knew how like how important this stuff was and how it's important to take care of yourself and i think Like, I think we had one of our best seasons recently last year because of that. Like, I just felt so much better because they actually took the time to, like, take care of us. And, like, we've always been fed pretty well and all that. But the fact that they, like, let us be like, hey, like, have, like, a 20-minute break where you just don't have to, like, you don't have to practice. You can just straight-up chill. And that was always really helpful.
4: I think if we're going to start talking about groups that do it right and things that are there we would be stupid not to mention how Blue Devils run rehearsal and by that I mean the Blue Devils moniker and like the joke around the activity is like I've heard things that Blue Blue Devils only like require them to have eight hours of floor time every day no matter what I've heard things about they take every Monday off or like they don't have afternoons on Mondays or something in short, all I hear about from Blue Devils rehearsals is that they aren't practicing nearly as much as anybody else. And the funny thing is about this, not knocking the chorus you marched, I never see a single Blue Devil talking about how hard summer was and stuff. And a lot of the, I, I don't see the stress on them that other cores do. And, you know, being I, I see a lot, I think it's without being too critical, not, we have to talk about our own house, I see a lot of very like C2 and cadets people very active talking about it, especially from that older, like 2000s 2010s cadets, where it's just like, we're just going to run into the ground, as well as like a lot of those East coast cores. That's just our mantra of you, uh, you can sleep when tour is over. You know, we get to be here. a lot of stuff like that. And sleep is rehearsal
2: for death. That was one yeah. of the, my visual <laughs> caption heads. sleep is rehearsal for death. And I was like, at that point. So like, brainwashed into all of it that I was like yeah yeah you're right I find um, myself saying that but it's ridiculous
4: <laughs> but then we look at how many hands it takes to actually hold BD rings especially as dominant as BD was this past decade I actually had a thought today about something I'm a Mets fan I hate the Yankees but I have to say they're the best team in baseball history and so if we're not looking at how the Yankees do things some two, if we're not looking at what makes BD work and that's the fact that like they listen to members and a lot of the stuff like that, and I feel like that's a big priority. On top of the whole, their staff's been there for like a million years, but I also feel like it's just they. I, I feel like that's an aspect of like just the way they're, and even like a line, Kira, um, that like you said like a staff like um from watching a lot of those like Day in the Life of Blue Devils, they very much live, eat, die, breathe the line that if uh you need to be on like a hundred percent on a hundred percent of the time. But the thing they say is they're so relaxed outside of rehearsal because they're like Blue Devils rehearsals are the most stressful rehearsals ever because they're constantly changing things. They're throwing things out there. So if you're not at 100%, you get hurt. How do we get you to be 100%? And I feel like that's like they feed their chords like top class. They have people talking. They give their chords breaks. Like it just, you know, there's a reason everyone goes and ages out at BD. It's to get a cheap <laughs> ring and to have a fun season that's not very stressful. And I mean, a bad fan.
3: I, I know people, well, not people. I know one person, Mackenzie who marched, uh, Santa Clara and she had nothing negative at all to say about her experience there. You know, she was like the member treatment was good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, SCV is also another, um, higher ranking drum corps and it's, it's, you know, like obviously resources are different. Like when you have money, you can afford to do certain things for your corps differently. Um, but I don't know. I just wanted to throw out and give credit to like another core. because yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people like know, especially with a lot of us being on the East coast. Um, am like, here's the only one who's on the West coast um, or like March, like a West coast core. West, coast, so,
1: West
3: coast. <laughs> um, so we don't know necessarily like what goes on there, but you know, it might just have to do with like that whole like West coast, like vibe. Like I feel like, you know, West coast is just less like, go, 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 go. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little more like Okay, hey, take a moment to breathe, you know, and I think it shows in how like there's a lot of very successful drum lines out there, color guards out there, uh drum corps out drums
4: there aren't going to be anytime like in soon.
3: Yeah, like SCV Wintergard, when they were a thing, like there's a lot of like oh, stuff going on shares. out there. Perfect. Um yeah, you know, so like I mean there could be a lot of stuff like design style, like whatever, but that's a whole other conversation, but you know what I mean? Like, like, I feel like your West coast groups aren't like, they don't run you into the ground as much as your traditional, like East core groups, that East coast groups that you see.
4: Yeah. And I think that's like,
2: there's a lot to that though, you know, like Uh, recruiting. And like, if you see that, you know, the people that want to win and have the capability to do so for the most part, they're yeah. gonna go there, so they don't need to be like, you know. What I mean, they don't need as much teaching. It's more of, yeah. Oh, I know you can do this. Do this here, and then they're like, okay, I got it.
4: You know. What yeah. I mean? So, help me you know. Like, we're not saying like we should all look at Blue Devils and be the Blue Devils because like. Yeah, because you know
2: there's nothing wrong with going. Like, I loved rehearsing like a cadet because that's oh, the way it. I want to rehearse. I want to, you know, I want those four-hour block. Okay, rest four-hour block. Okay, rest. All right, ensemble. To me, it's you know I get more sense of accomplishment, and and we shouldn't like say that, that we shouldn't have struggle in a season yeah. because a huge part about drum corps is building your character through struggle. So if there is none, that just wouldn't it wouldn't be an activity that would interest me. But again, then there's that end of the spectrum. It does not have to be inherently hard. You know, you you can do these things where have more than one free day a season you know do something fun have those um like we're going to talk about that meditation but yeah the, all those little things to take care of your members um you
1: don't have to change like your entire thing, drum core i don't do drum core to i mean like getting and fun is like secondary secondary to having fun like if i'm having fun and i'm getting good hell yeah but if i'm like getting good and i'm not having a good time i'm like why am i here like that's, yeah, and that's not motivating different. for me yeah
4: yeah so. and again i think that's like kind of um one of those things that we uh, i guess a challenge component of people that are staff members It's here it's just like you're not the smartest person in the room if you don't know how your kids are doing um it's those days in high school band where it just like all right, just go take a fifteen minute water break. And someone asks, he's like why?" And you're just like, "Nothing's going to happen today." And I can't push that. In drum corps, we don't have that excuse, especially in DCA, because like, can you imagine just like, "Oh, this nothing's going to get done today." The staff is just like, "No, we're going to will it to be done because we don't have time for this." And then we get to talk. John Malloy starts dancing and running around, and we're just like, "All right," John says, "We can do it." I guess we can do it because that's John Malloy. Um, and. Yeah. And so I guess like a, something that we can kind of move on from here, um, as we talked about like stuff that ensembles can do to be better, because I think like we, I think Taylor made a good point of saying like it's not just an organizational thing, it's also like a teacher thing. Um, I know Sarah's very vocal about that. And if you want to have some more conversations, please reach out to Sarah. She's fantastic. I've been watching her interact on like implying and stuff for years, and I've always highly respected the way she fights for kids like when she's marching she's like yo if your drum corps is doing this maybe you shouldn't be there and like being like asked actually asking that question um and so i guess like the next part we can kind of go into because um taylor's gonna start talking meditation i guess if you want to mention the survey that you did about why it's there because this is actually something that every ensemble can do we did it at c2 I had my high schoolers do it. And the funny thing, the first year I had my high schoolers do it, we went from like a third, second place group to just, we won an entire season. So I'm not going to be like winning isn't everything, but like the second I put mental health as a big step first in the program that I was working with, we just yeah. we saw immediate results. Yeah. And like, And even then to the, to like make the East Coast f- folks happier, I could push my kids a million times harder. Mm-hmm. Like I, ha- I would have kids like in tears the year before just because it's so hard. And I'm like, just give me one more representative to like, I'm done. And then like, I'd have kids in tears the next rep doing stuff like this. And they'd be like, I need one more representative to like, I can give you two. And then I'm done. And I'm like, perfect. Two reps and we're done. So Taylor, take it away.
0: <laughs>
4: so
3: um, I, as I think I mentioned some of my uh, psychology research experience, but one of the things I did was uh, for two years, I worked in a research lab at Westchester University. Um, and one of the major projects that I did a lot of the, the data management for was um, a long-term study uh, examining the effects of uh, meditation. Um, and basically, like, meditation is something that is very accessible. Like, a lot of people can do it, basically. For those of you who don't know, it's not the stereotypical, like, sitting, like, cross-legged, like, um, like whatever. Like, it, that's not, that's totally, like, cliche and like not accurate uh meditation is really just about taking time out of your day to be strictly focused in the present moment that can be something as simple as uh closing your eyes and just really like focusing on the sounds that you're hearing without having an interrupting thought like oh i have to do this later or, oh i should have done this earlier you know what i mean like those kind of intrusive thoughts that we have it's about just being like tuning all of that out and being very present in the moment, Um, it can be uh, sucking on a hard candy, you know, like just like really like taking the time to like think and focus on that flavor and only focus on that. That's a form of meditation as well. So meditation is really just about grounding yourself. And it's been shown uh, through research to help with depressive symptoms, PTSD, ADHD, like literally anything (laughs) Um, being uh, mindful and present in the moment. Um, and it's not the kind of thing you need to spend a lot of time either in fact uh, specifically one of my jobs in this lab was to examine the effects of maybe like is it better to meditate like twice a week for an hour or to do like five to ten minutes five days a week like which is better Um, and from the research I gathered um, it looks like it's better to just take a few minutes out of your day every day and be consistent and work it into your routine every day so even if like at the end of block or like before you have to head back to block during a meal break you just take that time to just kind of like focus in on yourself and tune out all those extra thoughts and all that extra static noise it can make a world of difference in your mental health
4: yeah i think um at least for me uh just because um i was diagnosed with depression i never took meds for it i just will save my personal preferences for medication i i didn't have personal i don't have good experiences with not knocking when it did like one of the things that my pastor and i was going through pre counseling said that like of like and i struggled with this of like like close your eyes and count but like only think of the numbers i had to change it a bit only because um so my age out show for indoor was called the power of two and i marched for a drum corps called Cadets Two. So let's say I'd get to the number two and I just stop. So um, what I what I change it to is paradiddles. Um, I would like take five deep breaths and like de- breath one was opening my practice room door. Breath two was walking to the room. Breath three was like in my head. And then I closed my eyes and I do paradiddles and I try to count to 10. I know that's like one way to do it. Um, I- I- I've tried the ways Taylor's done it. I can't focus on one. That, that's been like a very hard thing to do, one. It is so like, hard. It's
3: very hard.
4: So I've, I've always done well with interactive me- meditation of or even just like lying down. Uh, I find Steve Reich to be really good music for that um, as well as, and then like, um, I guess Sarah, if you want to, because I know you've talked to Steven, like Steven Patterson, which by the way, if anyone doesn't know Steven Patterson, he is like the king when it comes to this stuff of like how you can maybe incorporate this into like a visual block or something?
2: Um, Well, we haven't had conversations about this, but he's done a lot of work with that stuff and um, actually probably should have a conversation with him, but I used it, it, I started, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I should message him after this. Um, In when I was teaching Troopers this past summer, um, I got in the habit of like meditating every morning um, because in my therapy, that was one of the coping mechanisms I found that worked for me very, very strongly. Um, and so I just kind of got in the habit of doing it every day. And I felt that you really do feel different. And, and um, Taylor's right, you don't have to do a lot. It's just like practicing your instrument. You know, um, a little bit of practice every day is more efficient than an hour's worth of practice twice a week or something like that. Um, but I've really started to try and implement it little by little um, when we're stretching, because it's kinda, it's hard to find that time to dedicate specifically for that. Sometimes if you have a jam packed rehearsal, um, so I, I'm working on ways to implement that in my high schools as far as you know the breathing while we stretch and um, just having things to remind them. Um, as we're going through it, so that they can find their band zen, that's what I call it to my students, I call it the their band zen, just find it, you know, ground yourself, think about what we need to do right now, you know, um, and it does train them to focus, um, regardless of what's happening, and that's a valuable skill to have in the marching activity. Um, I've been discussing with a lot of people um, at cadets, about um, specifically John Bilby. If you don't know who John Bilby is, um, just one of the most incredible people um, on the face of the earth. Just a wonderful man. He's the drill writer um, for this coming season. He's an alum. He's just great. Um, and one of the big focuses being mental health, specifically for me, that I wanted to focus on at Cadets. And you know, we're thinking of doing like meditation blocks. You know, after. A rehearsal or after ensemble you know having one and if you want to come you can you don't have to but eventually it would get to a point where you know we kind of teach some of the members how to do it if they're not aware and then they can do it on their own you know and have yeah. that and that's a skill that they can bring back after the season that might help them cope with tour depression
4: yeah you oh, know definitely so also,
2: um, that ties in.
4: Sorry, no. go ahead. No, it also like to me it reminds you of the whole concept of like running naked, of mm-hmm. like running with uh the, or like running without music in. I know runners call it running naked. Sorry about that. Um, because, no, like, yeah,
2: we do. That's why I laugh. Yeah,
4: because um, I feel like what it lets to happen is the more because uh, I like could see too. We would sing the campfire song from SpongeBob every day, and mm-hmm. then we would breathe for like three minutes. And then we would stretch and then we move into something else. And like what it let me do is at least in DCA, as I'm stretching, I'm finding that muscles tight, that muscles this. So it's also, as well as like a mental thing, there's a practical thing of like, I'm listening to my body. I don't know if so Cyrus, Kira or Gareth have been that, but like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm like, I very much could like, even like the sh- like I switched shoes and I became super conscious about like how my shoes felt when i would be breathing because before and i'm like la da, da 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 band 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 let's talk today's 2015 because it's a great show time to breathe <laughs> so, the humidity is making my ankle do blah blah, blah 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 and i'm like i now have that information i can perform a little bit different that day so yeah i guess gareth kira saris if you have anything you want to add to this
0: yeah i guess how i found meditation is actually a little different i uh when I was taking an electronic music class and I started Ooh, uh, I know. reading I know. like Paulino Oliveros um, and sort of like active listening stuff, that sort of like translated to like a sort of meditative state for me of just like um, I'd be on the quad at my school and I just sit down and, you know, try to find how many different birds, i bird calls I could uh, identify and, you know, try to find like all the different sounds around me and uh, You know, like all those hums that you don't think about. Um, So I think, yeah, especially as musicians, like I I think uh, meditation and listening are something that we should be doing every day, um, both for our craft as well as our uh, our overall health. Curious. Oh no,
1: it's okay. Um, I should try meditating i haven't yet just because i'd like i don't know just i don't have the patience <laughs> to just like I feel that try I feel that it I don't, like, like i know I it's so i know bored. it'll be good i know it'll be good i'm just like the thought of it i'm like like makes you nervous i, uh, I don't know yeah I, I don't know it stresses me out and i'm just but like i know it's i just haven't gotten quite into it i think the closest thing for me though i found this like deep focus playlist on Spotify where it's a whole bunch of like wah, like not like whale noises but like this like it, like it's still music but it's like this ambient music that kind of like all the songs kind of sound the same so it like I'll just put it in and that's what kind of gets me into like the hyper focus mode when I'm doing homework and that's probably the closest thing like just finding that music like I find music with lyrics, like my brain will think about the lyrics and then also all the music parts. And that's just like too much for me. But this one playlist where it's like not ambient noises, but like, I don't don't know what it is. But it's like a soundscape or something like that. Yeah, kind of like that. Well, because I I also
0: do recommend whale sounds. (laughs) <laughs> there are some good albums of uh, just whale sounds.
4: I actually, uh, at least with ADHD, I can say this because I've actually done some research on it. Uh, minimalism, where like Steve Reich actually can slow speech pattern down in individuals who have ADHD. Uh, the brain reacts certain ways to different music. Like I have research that smooth jazz and Pat Metheny helps individuals with low functioning autism actually like calm down a little bit because they're so into like the aesthetics of sound. Or like, I've actually played through different songs for a student, I went, what does this sound like? He went angry, and it's like a bluegrass song or something. And like, uh, which makes me happy. First Circle by Pat Muffini uh, was the song that with this one student, if he was ever having like a meltdown moment, I would just drop my phone and play it, and even calm down, So I, and we marched that show in 16. So like, I get gotta, I gotta, I gotta listen to Pat Muffini play my favorite track to help calm him down. Or like, Music for 18 Musicians was something that like me and a student, that like if they ever, um, I have data that like it, in me and like 400 individuals, it lessens ticks, slows down speech um, and problem solving actually like increases in certain amounts and stuff. And so like it's music is, I'm trying to find a way to combine music and sped. And like, this is also another one of the strategies of like, whenever I need to be calm, I'll sit there, put on Steve Reich, meditate for like two minutes, or as long until I get bored basically and then get my heart rate down and get like into it. I just, I find it like, it just helps it work. And I don't know, because yeah, me, like listening to music in a way is just one of those things. It's the only way I got through college, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, also I want to know, I put this in the comments of like the Facebook live stream, um, head, like the Headspace app is, I think it's like a free subscription for a year if you're unemployed or furloughed. So check that out. Okay.
4: Yeah. Oh, and uh Gareth, Leanne Haffer um Hafferkamp, hope I got your name right, did say whale sounds are box five.
0: Yeah, <laughs> love Leanne. <laughs> She's great. Yeah, I think uh a lot of people really uh re- really respond well to uh to whale sounds. I had a friend in college that would always listen to whale sounds while while they were doing uh their classwork. Um so yeah, it, it can help a lot of people. It's it's definitely not for everyone, but <laughs>
4: Yeah, definitely. Not for I don't me. know. It
1: just makes me laugh. I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. like things of Dory in Finding. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's whenever what there, I think of.
4: Whenever there's not a tempo, I I lose track because I if it's odd if it's, the music is odd tempo, I try and find a tempo. Let's
1: so, see. Like, I can't meditate
2: that's like the to nice music thing. because tempo. I have synesthesia, so it's
0: um, yo. Oh, that's the you should color. We have an episode on, right? on synesthesia.
2: I have sound to sight synesthesia. Yes.
4: Oh my gosh! Oh, we marched with someone that's uh, Tim. Blanking his last name. The guy in the uh, red hair guy, metal phone next to me from C two. Yeah, Tim Olson. He had he like perfect pitch and like a version of that. Like that. Mm-hmm. That just blow. I-, I wish I had that because that's like because I had that with taste. Um, like I don't like foods that uh, I don't like green foods, or um, like sp- like specifically green foods just taste odd to me. And so, interesting. Like, I- yeah, I, I wish I had that with music because like it's just, it's so, <laughs> sorry, we'll get back on track. Anyways. Welcome to being ADHD. Um, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: This, is,
0: this will be a future episode. <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: oh but, no. <laughs> and I think like we'll end it here because I think this is a good positive note of like, and I really hope we've created some resources to go, go on um, because again, the, the call to DCI is like, this stuff matters um it's really important we didn't get it talked about things like taking years off like i know i really wanted to get cyrus's input about that because i know Cyrus took 18 off and i know sarah did the same thing about like so i guess the the one message i'll say real quick at the end is like if and it's also advice i got of like if life gets to be too important you have minimal years of drum corps but maximum years of living do the things that are going to make you healthy to live Mm-hmm. And don't just do it because of band. Um, maybe we'll bring Sarah on. We are going to do a part two. We're going to have a professional on here who um, this first conversation was just to kind of wet the palate, get some ideas flowing. And then the next one, Taylor has a friend that we're going to hopefully bring on, and maybe some other folks that like can actually give some of the more scientific what's happening in the head. So and stuff like that of like how maybe we'll have Sarah come on like tell her story of how like, drum corps basically pushed her very far to the edge. And so when she came back in 17, it was a whole different person, you know, and I, I've, I've talked to Cyrus a little bit, kind of the same thing of like, we just talked about all the positives. We'll get to the negatives. Last time we just didn't feel like we had the authority to say some things and talk about some things because Taylor is highly qualified to talk about this stuff, but only like highly qualified by like, she's studied this. Um, she's also very young. I am qualified because I'm a SPED teacher, but I'm also my first year. So we didn't really feel comfortable (laughs) talking about some topics. Um, So we're going to. I'm still
1: marching. Like I'm small.
4: (laughs) Small with an O. Um, So. So we're going to. We are going to continue this conversation because it matters. It's important. Listen to your students. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about that. I guess let's just uh, go around for final words. Um, I guess whoever wants to speak up and then we'll just go on the line and then we'll end, it, end, the, end, ugh, ugh, end the call for tonight. So everyone wants to do the first
0: final words. Yeah, I guess first I just wanted to thank our amazing guests for coming on, um, talking about a tough subject. Um, thank you. Thank you all so much for coming on. And uh, I guess for anyone listening, uh, if you have a, section group chat, you know, just hit it up, like ask to have a Zoom call. Um, I'm pretty sure that um, vast majority of of the section will be uh, really down for that. Um, Yeah, check up on your friends, uh, stay connected in these uh, socially distant times.
5: Uh, I guess for me, uh, not much for me to say except uh, uh, again, uh, Kira, Sarah, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing us your experiences and perspectives uh, really means a lot. And I can definitely attest to uh, staying in touch with uh, your old sections, like uh, in, in your section chats, either on Facebook or Zoom. Uh, honestly, I'm part of two Tuba Chats that is still active, the 17 Bucks Tuba Chat like literally the legendary i've heard some good things about that line (laughs) oh yeah it was an all vet line well almost all vet, nine vets and one rookie but yeah it was good but yeah like we still talk to this day sharing saying the same stupid memes and inside jokes and i'm still and literally my 15 tuba chaff when i marched surf uh like those people i marched in the section were literally best friends that uh we hang out that I hang out with all the time. And those connections have definitely helped me over the years. Uh just with dealing with stuff and going through things. I so yeah, I could definitely attest to, to that.
4: I'm gonna go message my old trats right now. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So while you're doing closing words, I'm literally just gonna take Cyrus's word to heart. I'm gonna message the old C2 golden chat.
3: <laughs> um what cyrus said really like resonated with me like gareth i'm sure you know the 2016 color guard group chat for c2 is still active and it's literally been four years gareth gareth is an honorary color guard member for that season for other reasons
0: i'm so Um, glad i'm in that group chat
3: (laughs) i think literally gareth i think i'm trying to set up a zoom like we'll get the band back together um but that aside like i think (laughs) what
1: keeps.
3: (laughs) i think what um like yes, performing is like amazing and like, you know, being able to like work hard towards a product is amazing. But I think like one of the hallmarks of drum corps are those like true like human connections we have. And I think it's important to maintain those and like rely on them and know that like you have your people there for you, I guess. So I think that's all I have. Thanks for having me on. It was it was a great conversation.
2: Um, I guess I'll go next. Um, I guess I kind of just want to speak uh, in this ending part to Like people who have, who can really relate to um, this episode of this podcast, um, who have gone through a season or postseason with struggling um, a lot with these things. Um, It is not your fault. Um, It is your problem. Yeah. We always have a choice to, you know, try and help ourselves as much as possible. But It is not your fault, no matter how much sometimes the world may try to convince you it is. Um, You deserve your contract just as much as everyone else. Um, You're valued just as much as everyone else. So, you know, tell yourselves those things sometimes and um, try to be as kind to yourself as you can and no one's perfect with that. Um, But you are so loved Um, to the educators let your students know that you are someone they can come to don't just assume that they're going to trust you with some things and don't be offended if they don't you know but being vocal about how much you care about things be vocal about the things you're about you know um be there for your kids because a lot of them look up to their staff members as some of like the only people they really have. To look up to in their lives so that's a big responsibility and just do everything you can for them because it is all about them and if you like discussing this topic um my inbox is always open i've been very vocal about this and will continue to be so um yeah so thank you so much for letting me come on and talk about this um it really means a lot to me and i'm, I'm glad i got to have all these. I learned a lot and had a good time speaking with all of you, so thank you.
4: Anytime, Kira.
1: Well, that's a time to follow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't. Let's, I mean, I don't know. I just, I like. I know I'm still young. Like, I mean, i have This should have been my age out, so I'm older than a lot of the. This should have been my bonus year age out. Like, I'm gonna age out at 23 like so I'm yeah so I'm like I know I have a lot of time ahead of me and I know I have a lot of growing to do and I don't know I'm glad that I could kind of add in a voice of more like the younger people who are still marching like that was that was nice um yeah and like now that I'm working on becoming an educator it was nice to also hear like the st- more of the staff side of things, and then also like the sciencey things <laughs> that I don't know about. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. This is this was nice. I'm glad I could talk about my story and say like, hey, it's okay to be like this. And, yeah.
4: This is the stuff that's never gonna stop. We got. Pr- uh, I don't pressure does the wrong where we got responsibility was like asked like, why w- will you guys? And I like to think that we arise an occasion to like bring up conversations that a lot of folks don't wanna have because, you know, mental health's important. Especially in times right now, um, as a special education teacher in a very rural area where a low social and economic status, I am not sure how many students I'm gonna see this fall. I am not sure how many students I'm gonna see come back or be alive in some instances because they're currently in abusive situations. I am their escape. As their SPED teacher, I get to help them learn. And as their assistant band director, I get to have them not think about it for two hours. And I think we need to remember that, that whether we come from abusive households or maybe like mine, where my parents looked at me and said that the word divorce is a funny word and we'll never do it. We all come from different backgrounds, but it doesn't matter when we're teaching because all that matters is how much we love our kids and how inclusive of a teacher we decide to be. So that's something that I really, you know, and I'll also, the last comment I have is, I want to say thank you to the ladies for coming on. Um, The three of them have pushed us more than any other guest has in very positive ways to make sure these conversations were done correctly. Um, So I just, I really appreciate it. I learned a lot and I just want to say thank everybody. Um, yeah, and if anybody else, if no one has anything else to say, I think we'll just end it there. Um, love you guys, love each other, and I hope you all have a box five weekend.
1: You too.